You are listening to the Living Way Church podcast. For more information about Living Way Church, go to livingwaychurch.cc. There's a an emotional part of Hosea that is almost, um, well, soap opera-like. Uh, so let's dig into it. Hosea 1.3. So he married Gomer, and she conceived and bore him a son. Then the Lord said to Hosea, call him Jezreel, because I will soon punish the house of of Jehu for the massacre at Jezreel. And I will put an end to the kingdom of Israel. And in that day, I will break Israel's bow in the valley of Jezreel. Basically, he says, name your son a place of ruin and massacre. I want you to name, that's like saying naming your son 9-11 or naming your son, uh, you know, the name of a horrible uh, uh, date, event, uh, location, um, he says, name your, your son this name because like his name, Israel will be ruined and destroyed. It goes on and says, verse 6, Gomer conceived again and gave birth to a daughter. Now this time, this is not Hosea's son. This is, she is pregnant in the line of work. She has another child, a daughter. Then the Lord says to Hosea, call her Lo." Rahuma, which means not loved. For I will no longer show love to Israel that I should at all forgive them. So he named his daughter unloved. This, this daughter of another man, his wife's daughter, because just like she is called unloved, Israel will feel unloved by me. And then he goes on, verse 8, he says, After she weaned Loru Amma, Gomer had another son, yet another unknown father from outside of Hosea's life. Then the Lord said, Call him, had a son, call him Lo Ami, which means not my people. For you are not my people, and I am not your God. He said, Name your son, not mine. Wow. Okay, I'm going to name one son, my first son, ruined, because you're going, to, you're going to symbolize Israel is ruined. And I'm going to name you, daughter, I'm going to name you not loved, because this is a people who, who are going to feel unloved. And I'm going to name you not mine, because you're going to feel like nobody wants you. You're going to feel abandoned. How, how, how do you have family pictures with names like that? Come here, unloved. Come here, not mine. Some of you, you say that to your kids anyhow. <laughs> not mine, hopefully not, not loved. <laughs> I want you to know that years pass. Obviously, these eight verses took place over the course of many years. Uh, years pass. Gomer continues to sleep around. She's bringing home babies. At what point do you throw up your hands in a marriage like this and say, I've had enough? Right? At what point? Do you say, all right, I get it. You don't love me. I get it. You don't want to be with me. Then just do your own thing. Well, the next part is an interesting part as well. Hosea chapter 2, he says, say to your brother, my people, by the way, he's saying they're mine. And he says, say to your sisters, my loved one, that means you're still loved. He says, they are mine and I love them, but rebuke your mother. Don't rebuke your mother in real life ever, by the way, just tip. 
says, rebuke your mother, rebuke her, for she is not my wife. Now, he's not talking about Hosea and Gomer here. He's talking about Israel. He's saying, your brothers and sisters of Israel, they're still mine and I still love them. But as a whole, as a nation, as the people of Israel, they're not mine. I don't want them to be my bride. He says, I am not your husband. He's talking to Israel. Let her remove the adulterous look from her face and the unfaithfulness from between her breasts. Otherwise, I will strip her naked and make her as bare as on the day she was born. And I will make her like a desert and turn her into a parched land and slay her with thirst. Now, there's some really extravagant and big descriptions in Hosea. He says, I will not show my love to her children, the people of Israel, because they are the children of adultery. Their mother has been unfaithful and has conceived them in disgrace. She said, I will go after my lovers and who give me food and water and my wool and my linen and my olive oil and my drink. She says, I'm going to pursue the ones who pay me. By the way, these are the things that a prostitute gets paid. They didn't get paid with money. They got paid with these type of possessions, with water and fuel. I mean, uh, sorry, wool and linen and olive oil. These are the things that a prostitute gets paid. He says, Israel is chasing those things. Then she will say to me, I will go back to my husband as at first, for then I was better off than now. You see, Hosea is a prodigal story. It's like the prodigal son. He says, she has not acknowledged that I was the one who gave her the grain and the new wine and the oil, who lavished on her that silver and gold, which they used for Baal, which was they used what I gave her. Israel used what I gave her to worship idols. But it was all for me all along. You see, some of the things that you have that you use for your own pleasure, some of the things that you do that you know uh, are not in God's plan for your life, that you're throwing your bucks toward or use your life for, you know what? Whether you realize it or not, it's from the Lord. Everything you have, it's from God. And, And just like in Israel's day, we have forgotten who our source is. Israel had married perversion and forgotten all God had done for them. So God says this, verse 9, I will take away their grain and uh, their new wine and their clothes. Verse 10 says, I will expose their lewdness. Verse 11 says, I will stop all of their parties. Verse 12 says, I will ruin their income. Verse 13 says, I will punish them for the years she followed false gods. I mean, God brings down the hammer with some tough love. He says, I love you, but... You're going to feel unloved. You're going to feel abandoned. You're going to feel the weight of discipline. Gomer is a picture of unfaithfulness and perversion. And just like the names of her kids, they're ruined, they feel unloved, and they feel abandoned. See, Hosea is basically two parts. Two big parts to Hosea. Part one is the story of Hosea and his bride. And it's going to be chapters one through three. And it's the story of an unfaithful wife, her, uh, her disowned children, and, uh, and we find a faithful husband. The, the second half is really a large bulk of Hosea, chapters four through 14. And it's about unfaithful Israel, her disowned and rebellious people and God's faithfulness. See, Hosea 4 through 14 mirrors Hosea 1 through 3 in real life reality. And God said, Hosea, I want you to be a living illustration, a living object lesson. I want you, Hosea, to feel and to carry the burden of what I feel 
when I look at my own people. So Hosea 4 through 14 lays out clearly how Israel was unfaithful to God. Now, I want to warn you when you start reading Hosea, it is by far some of the most graphic descriptions of death in the Bible. It has got some of the greatest use of uh, metaphors and uh, uh, that you'll ever read in the entire Bible. I mean, when I was reading it, I'm like, man, I... I want to go back and read this again. I want to dissect every little piece. It is full of extremely descriptive and even horrible ways of discipline. It says, Hosea describes them as promiscuous, unfaithful to God and others, that they have evil leadership. He says they they even are offering their own children as human sacrifices. He says they are stubborn, they're unteachable, they uh, they seek ungodly counsel, and, and as a result, they will be ruined and wiped away. Hosea 4, 1, it says, Hear the word of the Lord, you Israelites, because the Lord has a charge to bring against you who live in the land. There is no faithfulness, no love, no acknowledgement of God at all in this land. Hosea 4, 6, he says, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge because you have rejected knowledge. You've got to the point where you're not even able to hear the voice of God. You're so unteachable. If somebody were to take you aside and, and encourage you and challenge you and help you and love you, you would... Push them away. He says, so I will also reject you from being my priest. Since you have forgotten the law of God, I will also forget your children. Now, Hosea is one of those books that people can sit down and maybe read in a day or two. And if you're real ambitious, you might read the whole thing in one day. I encourage you to dissect it over the week. And, uh, I, and, and when you read it, you need to remember that this didn't happen overnight. Hosea took place over the course of several decades. And it was written down as it happened, and it was added to years later as the story began to unfold for Israel. So it's one of these books that you, as you sit down in one setting, it's a story that's a real-life person, real-life events, and God unfolds his story over the course of several decades. Now, everything that he says in Hosea actually came true. Within 100 years, the neighbors to the north called Assyria attacked Israel and wiped them out, destroyed them, ruined all their cities, and took them all away as captives. And is at that point, point when they were in the hands of an enemy that they called out to God and they found their husband again. Hosea's life is a strange way to illustrate Israel's behavior, but I want you to realize this, that believe it or not, Hosea is a love story. What you're going to find in Hosea is a love story that is one of the most powerful images and stories of God's amazing unconditional, faithful love to us, even though we are faithless. Check this out in Hosea 1, verse 10. It says, Yet the Israelites will be like the sand on the seashore, which cannot be measured or counted. In the place where it was said to them, You are not my people. They will be called children of the living God. And the people of Judah and the people of Israel will come together and they will appoint one leader and will come up from out of the land, for great will be the day. Of Jezreel. And I want you to realize this. Interestingly, as harsh as this book is, over and over it shows their unfaithfulness, and over and over it shows God's invitation to come home. Nineteen times it uses the word prostitute 
or that they sold themselves for sex. 19 times it says that they were broken and unfaithful. And 19 times there is an invitation from God saying, acknowledge me as God. Come back to me and repent to me and I will restore you. For each one, he says, you are unfaithful. But God says, I will not let you go. Hosea is a beautiful love story between two people and God and us. So over the course of several decades, this is what happened next. God says, I will go get them. Look at this, Hosea 2. He says, therefore, I am now going to allure them. That means I'm going to romance her. I'm going to romance my bride, Israel. I'm going to romance her, and I will lead her into the wilderness and speak tenderly to her. There I will give her back her vineyards, and I will make the valley of Achor, which means the valley of brokenness, a door of hope. Man, is that powerful a way? He says, I will make that place of brokenness a place of hope. I love that verse. I will make the valley of brokenness a door of hope. And there she will respond as in the days of her youth, as in the days she came up out of Egypt. You see, the purpose of allowing her to get to that place of pain and suffering is so that she might have humility and brokenness and be able to see God again. Verse 16, in that day, declares the Lord, you will call me my husband and you will no longer call me My master. I love this. He says, man, you want to know what kind of relationship God desires with us? God doesn't want to be the, the, the one who's a, a, a driving uh, force of, of, of harsh submission to us. He's not, he's not, he doesn't want to just be the master of our life. A lot of us were thinking, we're, we're so afraid and fearful of God, which is a good place and a good thing to have. But somehow we think that God's up there with a big paddle and he's got a big ruler. He's got a big stick and he's going to bang us and hit us. And every time we do something wrong, we're going to get beaten. So we better submit as slaves to the master. He says, you're going to know my love so deeply that you're going to call me husband, not master. There's going to be a deep, deep leadership role marriage here. I love the image. I love that. Per- he says, it will be a loving role, not a burden. He says, I will remove the names of all the bales from her lips. That means she won't remember all the relationships she has. Mm. No longer will their names be invoked. I will betroth you to me forever. The word there means that I will be knit by covenant in marriage to you forever. He says, I will betroth you Uh, The word in there is with. He says, uh, I will betroth you in or with righteousness and justice, in or with love and compassion. And I will betroth you in or with faithfulness and you will acknowledge me, the Lord. And that is redemption. He says, this is a marriage. Yes, you are unfaithful, but I will be a faithful husband to you. In that day, he says, I will respond, declares the Lord. I will respond to the skies and they will respond to the earth and the earth will respond to the grain and the new wine and the olive oil and they will respond to Jezreel. By the way, the Jezreel is a place of ruin, but the name literally means to plant. Think about that for a minute. It literally means to grow, that God grows. So he says, they will respond with Jezreel and I will plant her For myself in the land, and I will show my love to the one I called not my loved one, Lo-Ruma. And I will say to those, not my people, which is Lo-Ami, you are my people. And they will say, you are my God. Powerful picture of restoration. 
Then God says this. He says, Jose, this is what I'm going to do to Israel someday. And just so you know what it's going to be like, your wife who's out there sleeping around, I want you to go get her. And I want you to romance her home. And I want you to bring her back. And I want you to pour out your faithful love to her. This is powerful. He says in real life, he says, go get your woman. So check this out. Hosea chapter 3, verse 1, it says, And the Lord said to me, Hosea talking, Go show love to your wife again, though she is loved by another woman. I'm sorry, by another man. Hey, could happen too. Uh, Go Go show your love to your wife again, though she is loved by another man and is an adulteress. Wow. She's so far into prostitution, she is owned by a pimp as a sex slave. And she's actually in the possession of another man. He says, go show your love to her. Go get your woman. Verse, uh, the next part says, love her as the Lord loves the Israelites. Though they turn to other gods and love the sacred raisin cakes. I never knew God hated raisin bread so much. I just... Actually, raisin cakes is uh, is it means uh, um, uh, wine cakes, and uh, they were used for uh, sacrifices uh, to their false gods. That's what that's about. Verse two says, "So I bought her for fifteen shekels of silver, and about a homer and a and a lethek of barley." He says, basically, by the way, on average, the average uh, prostitute to own to buy a slave at that time was on average at least. A 30 shekels. He only had 15 shekels of silver. So he, he says, this is everything I did. He says, I sold everything I had. I gave away everything I had. I, anything that was of value, I got rid of so that I could purchase my wife back. It's powerful here. He says, I gave up everything just to get her back. And then I told her, verse 3, says, you are to live with me many days. That means the rest of our life. And you must not be a prostitute or be intimate with any man. And I will behave the same way towards you. God says, you know, I will be faithful to the unfaithful. Now, Hosea, go be faithful to your unfaithful. And just as you love her, you're going to understand how much I love you. So I want to spend the last few minutes telling you what this bizarre wedding has to do with our life today. What Hosea's bizarre marriage illustrates, and number one, I want you to write this down, is that I want you to know that God, this story of Hosea tells us that God will often bring us to a place of ruin in order to bring us home. He will. Sometimes, just like Hosea, God will bring us and lead us and allow us to hit rock bottom just so that we can run back to him. God will often allow us to lose everything we have just so that we can see him. God will allow us to lay flat in the gutter just so that we can look up to the curb. God allows that so that we can have our heart broken and humbled. There were so, by the way, he says this, he says, I have this problem with you. You're unteachable. Therefore, you're going to go to ruin just so that you can find me again. Guys, you don't have to end up in the gutter to find God. If you have a teachable heart, a teachable spirit, if you're open to what the Lord is saying to you about your life, about your home, about your family, you don't have to lose everything in order to find the Lord. I want you to know that right now. 
But if you are his and, and he has called you and, and he's, he's called you to be his child, you know what? He will allow you to go through ruin and destruction in order to save you. The entire chapter 2 of Hosea is all about that. Hosea 1.11 says, The people of Judah and the people of Israel will come together. They will appoint a leader. By the way, that's a reference to a future Messiah, which is Jesus. And they will come up out of the land, for great will be the day of Jezreel. A day of ruin, Jezreel, will also be called a day of planting, which is the word Jezreel. Your ruin will be the moment that everything fell apart and started all over again. That's powerful. Some of you guys can't figure out why your life is falling apart. <laughs> God, why would you allow this to happen? Maybe he's trying to bring you home. Second thing is this. He says, God is faithful to us even when we are faithless. I've got additional verses in there from, from the, the scriptures. I want you to read them this week as you go over your notes. Uh, God disciplined them, yes, but he was always faithful If you're his kid, if you're a child of God through Jesus Christ, God will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He will never abandon you, but he will discipline you. He will always be faithful even when this verse in 2 Timothy says, if we are faithless, he remains faithful for he cannot disown himself. Even when we are faithless, he is faithful. Some will say, well, doesn't our walk with God depend on our faith? No, it depends on his faith which is actually the substance from which faith comes from. He is the source of faith, the power in which we put our faith in. And Jesus put it this way. If you have just a little bit, just have a mustard seed. If you just have a little bit of faith, God can do great things in your life. God is faithful even when we are faithless. I'm thankful for that because some days I don't feel very faithful. Sometimes I don't feel like my heart is very faithful. Thank you, God, for being faithful, Lord, to me. The third thing I want to write down is that God expects all of you or he wants none of you. I'm not talking about all of you as a group. I'm talking about all of you as a person. God wants all of you or he doesn't want any of you, none of you. Let me explain this. Basically, God says it's all me or none of me. We are not to prostitute ourselves to the world. This is the story of Hosea. Israel was chasing everything in place of God, and God says, I won't have it. I will not have it. I'm either going to be the center of your life, or I don't want your life. You're like, really? Is that what the... This is the occurring, reoccurring message of the gospel of salvation. It means total abandonment. Jesus did not call us to a prayer. He called us to a life of abandonment to him. Hosea 13, 4 says, But I have been the Lord your God ever since you came out of Egypt. You shall acknowledge no God but me, no Savior but me. John 14, 6, our theme verse for our church. Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth. No one, no one, no one, no one comes to the Father except through me. You want life? I'm the only life. You want truth? I'm the only truth. You want to know what the way is? I am that way and no one can find life, truth, or the way without me or the Father without me. I am exclusive when it comes to your walk with God, when it comes to the walk in this life. Jesus put it this way. Matthew 16, 24, Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciples must deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. 
For whoever wants to save his life must lose it. And whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? Jesus says, you want me? You want to be a part of my life, a part of, a part of my truth, a part of the way? You want to be uh, in relationship with the Father? If you want life, eternal life, salvation, freedom, you want understanding for the cares and concerns of this life in a chaotic and crazy, ruined, destroyed world, if you want life, he says, leave every, abandon everything. Lay down your life, deny yourself, pick up your cross, which means, you know, it's about, it's about dying to yourself. He says, deny everything and come after me. And Hosea is that message again saying, you know what, I want all of you or I don't want you. It's 99 and a half won't do. It's an 80s song I used to sing. You've heard me sing it before in a message, but I'm going to say it again. 99 and a half won't do. Got to have all. All of your love. Anybody know that song? Come on, come on, Beat Street people, come on. <laughs> From the movie Beat Street, I don't even remember. It was like one hit wonder, lady. I don't know. It's from the movie Beat Street, all about hip hop, rap, dancing. Oh yeah, that's how, that's how I am. Here's the fourth thing I want you to know about Hosea: is that God illustrates to us is that God agonizes over the sinner. Oh, the depths of pain due to our sin with God. He says, Hosea, the people that I love, the people that I look after, the people that I cherish, he says, those people, they ignore me. They spit on me. They, 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 they chase, they run away from me. They abandon me for other things. And Hosea's like, yeah, God, I know how you feel. God says, no, you don't, but you will. I want you to know how I feel. I want you to marry this woman. I don't think you do, Hosea. I want you to know what it's like to have your bride commit adultery every day. I want you to know what it's like to see the men she sleeps with daily and to have in your house kids who are a constant reminder of her unfaithfulness. And then, Hosea, then you just might understand how I feel about the unfaithfulness of God's people towards me. How deep this pain is that I have for you. I want you, Hosea, just one person at the time no one had carried the burden of God's heart like Hosea had up to that point. And here's Hosea finally feeling the pain, the struggle, the anger. Because there's anger involved in this. As you read Hosea, man, you find God, man, he has swift anger towards sin. And though he loves Israel, his bride, he is angry at them at the same time. And Hosea is right there. Hosea feels the anger, the betrayal, the, the, the confusion. We like to talk about the depth of his love for us. But do we ever mention the depth of his pain towards us when we sin? We're like this rose. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pass one around. We're like this rose. Created for beauty created with a measure of perfection. And, and I'm going to ask you guys, I'm going to, here, look up, there you go. I want you guys to, to just check it out, smell it. I would like this rose to make its way all the way to the back. So go ahead and touch it. Everybody smell it. 
Make sure your nose is clean before you smell it. And it's wet too. Like this rose, we are created with this sense of, of beauty and perfection. I mean, when God created us, man, he didn't make a mistake. When God created you and me, he didn't go, oops, uh, next try on the next person. I hope it's better. He created you in beauty. And in all, Psalm 139 says, we are created and fearfully and wonderfully made. And God looks at you and he says, man, you're beautiful. You're a wonderful creation. And he's given you a design, a call, uh, a walk with him that is to reflect his beauty and his design. In an Hosea, God calls himself a lion, and he also calls himself a compassionate father. Check this out in Hosea 11.1, 1, reflecting his heart toward his people, his pain when we fail. He says, when Israel was a child, he says, I loved him. And out of Egypt, I called my son. But the more they were called, the more they went away from me. And they sacrificed to the Baals, and they burned incense to images. That means they worshiped false idols instead of me. It was I who taught Ephraim how to walk. Taking them by the arms. But they did not realize it. It was I who healed them. I led them into the cords of human kindness with ties of love. Every gracious, loving, caring experience you ever felt. He says, that was from me. And to them, I was like one who lifts a little child to the cheek. And I bent down to feed them. He says, let me tell you what it's like. If you're a father of a teenager, you might know what it's like. <laughs> I mean, though your child begins to outgrow your affection, mom and dad, you know, you don't ever outgrow your affection, do you? You, you don't ever want to stop holding them and loving on them and kissing on them. And, and you, you never want to stop the cuddle or the hug. Now, your kids, and maybe they outgrow that a little bit, some of them, right? Some don't. They outgrew it, and they're like, oh, mom, come on. And (laughs) you go to hug them, you're going at them like this, and they go, whoop, they give you the back. I'm like, that's the worst. (laughs) I want to hug your back. I want to hug your face. (laughs) He says, God says, you know, I'm like a father who raised This Ephraim is one of the tribes. They're one of the largest tribes in Israel. That's why he refers to them often. He says, it's like I was I was the one that taught you how to walk. I was the the daddy who fed you. I was that daddy who nurtured you, who kissed your cheeks, who carried you, who helped you and rocked you go to sleep. Man, I was the one holding your hand when you were taking your first steps, when you learned to ride a bike. I was the one there cheering you on at T-ball and when you made your first tackle or your first artwork. I mean, I was the one who put your art on the refrigerator now you don't even want to hug me now you don't even want to kiss me now you don't even want to acknowledge me now you think you used to think i knew everything now you don't think i know anything that's why i said if you're a parent of a teenager you know what i'm talking about because magically they know everything now i hope i outgrow my dumbness god says you know what i It's like a father who's poured his life into his children and they don't want to acknowledge him. That's how much this hurts, Hosea. This is how much it hurts. We've done the same for Jesus came to the world and we rejected him. Yet he loved us and he suffered for us and he gave his life for us that even while we were yet sinners, Christ died. Here's the last thing I want you to know about Hosea and that God in Christ is our redeemer from our failures.
Hosea is all about Jesus. Hosea is a powerful picture of God's great love for us, his pursuit and love for us, his, his desire for us to know him. Jesus is all over Hosea. In fact, this is what's really cool. Hosea is a beautiful picture of Jesus. Hosea, the very name in Hosea in Hebrew is Hosea, which is the exact same root word where Jesus' Hebrew word is Yeshua. Hosea and Jesus in Hebrew are the same words that mean salvation. Hosea is a picture, a declaration of the life of Jesus, of, of, of our abandonment of his love and his faithfulness to us and how Hosea sold everything that he had in order to win his bride back out of the bonds of slavery and perversion. He says, I will waste everything that I have. I will give everything I have and I will rescue you from the bounds of perversion and slavery and sin. Hosea lured and romanced his wife home as Christ has for us. We see In Hosea, the person of Jesus who is the faithful, compassionate husband, Hosea was to take this woman no matter what she had done, no matter where she had been, and make her his own. To take her children as his own and to cherish them. Matthew 9, 15 says that Jesus calls himself the great bridegroom, the husband of his children. We see Jesus as the resurrected Savior in Hosea. Hosea 6, 2 says, After two days, he will revive us, and on the third day, he will restore us, that we may live in his presence. This is a picture of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Let us acknowledge the Lord. Let us press on to acknowledge him. As surely as the sun rises, he will appear, and he will come to us like the winter rains, like the spring rains that water the earth. 1 Corinthians fifteen four says that Jesus is that resurrected one from Hosea. Hosea tells us that Jesus is the redeemer who is victor over death and shame. Hosea 13, 14 says, I will deliver this people from the power of the grave. I will redeem them from death. Where, O death, is your plague? Where, O grave, is your destruction? 1 Corinthians 15 actually quotes Hosea when it declares the great return of Jesus, when it declares the resurrection of Christ, and that through Christ, death has lost its sting. The grave has lost its victory. Jesus is the resurrected king in Hosea. He is the redeemer, the faithful groom, the victor over death and sin, Jesus. Who has that rose, by the way? If you could uh, bring the rose down to me. Go ahead and uh, could one of you bring the rose down to me. This rose uh, didn't make its way all the way to the back, I'm sure. This rose is a real unique picture of our walk with God. Did it survive? Not not too bad. Some of the petals are gone. Some of the leaves, this, this one's broken here. Actually doesn't look too bad. You know, God created us with beauty and with honor, with purpose. And oftentimes we give ourselves out to society, to world, the picture. This is a picture of our, of our purity and of our, of our innocence. And and through the course of this life, you know, we 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 lose our petals. We we get broken. We we become damaged, and and we become 
someone who's not quite as pretty or as beautiful as God created us to be. I want to share a story with you. There's a uh, speaker, some of you guys know him, his name's Matt Chandler, and he shared a real powerful story using uh, the rose, and I want to share that story with you. He says uh, he had this mom uh, who was a single mom. She had uh, the baby, and she wasn't married, and she, he wanted to introduce her to Jesus, and she wasn't the church-going type. She thought Christians were all judgmental and mean, and, and so, but he put it on her heart uh, to, to come with him to a concert. To, his friend was in the band, which is the, the, the Christian bait-and-switch. Hey, come to this concert. And then a speaker gets up and gives Jesus, right? So it's like, uh, by the way, if you're here and, you're, and your friend thought you thought you were going to breakfast, sorry. There's, let's go to coffee. It just happens to be at our church. And let's, let's have donuts oh, at church. All right. So uh, he brought this person, this, this mother, to, uh, to this event. And uh, he was hoping to introduce her to Christ. So after the, the concert, the speaker gets up and he talks about innocence. He's, he's talking about purity. And he passes out this rose. And he, and he hands out the rose to everybody. And he's talking about God's plan for purity. But by the time it gets up, to, uh, to him, he says, throw me that rose. And he, he wants the rose and it's all kind of falling apart and it's, uh, it's barely hanging on. Uh, branches are broken. The, the petals are falling off. And he says, he says, hand me that rose. And he says, this is what you were, were uh, he says, this is what, uh, he holds up the rose. He says, this is what you were created to be. And he says, but this is how you turned out to be. He says, some of you are just broken and uh, lifeless and wasted. He goes, I want to tell you, he says, who would want this? He's talking about purity. He says, who would want something like this? Nobody would want anything like this, this dirty rose, this broken limb. You don't give this as a gift to anybody. He says, nobody wants this. He says, neither should you allow your body to be used for anything. And now, I don't know if you're catching where, where Matt might be going, but Matt says he's infuriated. He's angry. Because he's brought this person who knows has like a kind of troubled past. And here's this guy basically saying that if you're not perfect, that, that, that you can't be in heaven, that, you, that God doesn't want you. And the speaker was going, who wants this? Who would want this? And Matt Chandler says that he started getting mad and he just wanted to jump up and he wanted to, wanted to shout out, Jesus, Jesus wants the rose. Jesus wants that rose. I mean, isn't that what the gospel is all about? It's the gospel that says that God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Romans 5 tells us that God demonstrated his own love for us, that while we were yet sinners, while we were yet dirty and broken, Christ died for us. Some of you think, well, there's no way God would want me. There's no way God would love me. You don't understand. He loves you. He wants you. He died for you. To the ruined, he wants you. To the unloved, he loves you. To the disowned, he has not abandoned you. Jesus says, I will own you. I will love you. I will give you a new start, and I will call you my own. Jose is a powerful message. Maybe you're like Jezreel. You feel ruined and des- uh, devastated. Maybe you feel like Lo Rumah. You feel unloved or unlovable. Maybe you feel like low Ami. You feel unwanted and alone. Or maybe you feel like Gomer, dirty, and that you've gone too far. I have an invitation for you. And it's in Hosea 14. And let's end with this. Verse 1 begins. He says, return, Israel, to the Lord your God. 
Your sins have been your downfall. Take words with you and return to the Lord. Say to him, forgive all your sins and receive us graciously that we may offer the fruit of our lips. He says, realize this, Assyria cannot save you. People, that boyfriend, that girlfriend, your husband, your wife, that job, it cannot save you. He says, we will not mount war horses. That means our best efforts cannot save us. We will never again say our gods to what our own hands have made. He says, there's things in your life that you've made idols. He says, those things, they don't love you. Your money doesn't love you. Your job doesn't love you. Your possessions don't love you. Those, that stuff, those things that you've turned into idols that you chase so badly for, they don't love you. He says, but for in the fatherless find compassion. Look what happens when we turn to God with humility. The next verse says, I will heal their waywardness and love them freely. He says, for my anger has turned away from them. I will be like the dew to Israel. That means a new day. And he will blossom like a lily. That means you'll be made beautiful again. And like a cedar of Lebanon, uh, Lebanon, uh, he will send down his roots. That means you'll be planted deeply and you'll be made strong again. And his young roots will grow. That means there's a future for you and your family, that there's new growth and healing. And his splendor will be like the olive tree. That means you'll have a fruitful life. And his fragrance will be like the cedar of Lebanon. That means the people around you will notice that something is coming from you that's brand new and different. He says, people will dwell again in this shade. There's protection. And they will flourish like the grain and they will blossom like the vine. That means you will be life-giving. And Israel's fame will be like the wine of Lebanon. That means the world will take notice and God will be made famous in you. Ephraim, what more have I to do with the idols? He says, you know what? No looking back. Those days are gone. And just so you don't forget where this comes from. Verse 8, he says, I, the Lord God says, I will answer him and care for him. I am like a flourishing juniper your fruitfulness comes from me if there's anything good in you the lord says it's from me who is wise let them realize these things who is discerning let them understand if you're smart you'll get this last verse the ways of the lord are right the righteous walk in them but the rebellious stumble in them there's a love story for all eternity That broken rose is made beautiful again through the redemption of Jesus Christ. Thank you, God. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, some of us are broken. Some of us feel ruined. Some of us feel used. God, some of us feel unloved. God, some of us feel alone and abandoned. God, some of us feel unwanted. God, some of us in this room feel like we've gone too far, have done too much. But I pray, Lord, that you would help us to see that you are faithful. And if we will turn to you, we will find you. God, I pray, Lord, in Jesus, Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Living Way Church podcast. If you enjoyed this message, we hope you come visit us in Garland, Texas. For directions and more information about the church, go to www.livingwaychurch.cc.